It is time to fight back with the most powerful tool that you have, your pen and your ballot. We discuss that and more today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. All that is required for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. If you want to make a difference, you cannot sit on the sidelines. That's why you need to be a Kingdom Patriot. Join us today and help us fight for faith and freedom. If you give up just two cups of Starbucks per month, you can make a difference. Hi, I'm Jessica, and I'm a Kingdom Patriot. Welcome to this week's News and Review. In cultural news, I came across one of the most disturbing stories that I've seen in a long time. But to understand the story, you actually have to go all the way back to 2013. There was this lady, a pro-abortion protester, Bhutan, I think was her name. She was bare-breasted and decked out in pro-choice slogans all over her body when she interrupted a Christmas carol event at Paris's famous Madeline Church in December of 2013. And she did it to protest the Catholic Church's teachings against abortion by simulating an abortion of Jesus. She came in wearing a crown of thorns and a blue veil to mock Jesus Christ and the Virgin Mary. And she carried pieces of animal livers to symbolize an aborted baby as she stood in front of the church altar and pretended to perform an abortion before urinating on the ground in front of the congregation. Well, the church's priest filed a legal complaint against Bhutan, who was found guilty by a French court of unlawful sexual display. Then she was sentenced to more than a month in prison in order to pay a fine to the church. A pa- uh, it was a punishment that France's highest court upheld until recently the European Union court determined that her right to free expression had been violated. I I don't even know what to do with this story. It seems particularly relevant given the season of Halloween of just how disgusting a display of lawlessness this is. And speaking of disgusting, Canada is now expanding its assisted suicide law to include the mentally ill, possibly enabling what's known as mature minors. And although assisted suicide has been available in Canada since 2016, it was restricted to what we call grievous and irremediable medical conditions. However, this coming March in 2023, it will extend the eligibility to those with a mental illness, allowing individuals to apply solely on the basis of a mental disorder. This bill would allow these mature minors to be euthanized by state doctors without even the consent of their parents. I just grieve to even read that. In political news, the Children's Health Defense Organization is reporting that a voter analytics firm harvested data from millions of Americans, particularly their cell phones, during the 2020 COVID-19 lockdowns, and then they turned around and used that data to assign phone users what they call a COVID-19 decree violation score and a COVID-19 concern score. According to this white paper that was released by PredictWise, the firm that harvested the data, the data was derived from nearly 2 billion GPS pings stemming from ground truth, real-time, ultra-granular location patterns, according to this organization. And then it was used, and this is the nefarious part, was used to target election-related messages to voters during the 2020 election season. 
and according to PredictWise, they understood that there were potential pockets of voters to target with COVID-19 messaging and turn high-dimensional data covering over 100 million Americans into measures of adherence to COVID-19 restrictions during the deep lockdown periods. The data was collected with these political purposes in mind, and they this is their words, not ours. It doesn't take a data scientist to know that COVID-19 was going to play a major role in the election and that this once-in-a-lifetime pandemic took control of the political debate. Well, Republican voters specifically were targeted based on the data that was collected. They targeted Republicans who scored high on the measure of COVID-19 decree violations. Those were folks who were on the go way more often than their neighbors. And then Republicans who scored low on the measure of COVID-19 decree violation, folks who mostly are always stayed at home, such as the swing state of Ohio. And then they were asked certain survey questions. PredictWise found that Republican non-movers, or they're going to call them compliers, had a lot of concern around COVID-19, and they were very persuadable, almost to the same degree as Democrats overall, and that Republican non-movers over the age of 65 were more concerned about COVID-19 than Democrats. Thus, you create political message that targets those Republicans that you might could get to vote for Biden. And speaking of Biden, wow, this story makes me really proud that he's our president. Now, make no mistake, I respect the office even when I don't respect the occupant. But this story, oh my. For those that think his incomprehensible blabbering is preferential to Trump's abrasive strength, just read this. It's reported that the Saudis have been mocking President Biden in private while simultaneously questioning his mental state. And a particular move that could fracture the U.S.-Saudi relations at a time when the partnership is actually being tested because of the move of OPEC to cut oil production. They said that several people inside the Saudi government said the prince preferred former President Trump and has seemed unimpressed with Biden since his days as vice president, while also poking fun at his gaffes. Wow. And speaking of his gaffes, on Monday, Vice President Kamala Harris had a birthday and President Biden wanted to wish her a happy birthday, so he called her a great president. A line that some online assumed was just another gaffe, which kind of has become synonymous with his administration. As he said, hey, happy birthday to a great president. You're, we know your mom is always with you. Really? Well, and if you think that those are just innocent words, it was also said that Biden talked this week. He was bragging about how all he and his fellow Democrats were campaigning in 2018 to save Obamacare. And I quote, he said they were campaigning in all 54 states. Well, in my opinion, that is some fuzzy math. Okay, in world news, well, we learned quite a bit about Benjamin Netanyahu's relationship with multiple presidents of the United States. And this came out because he had a, he had a book that came out and he was just talking about how he saw eye to eye with Trump while he had a great divergence with President Obama. He told Fox News that each president has certain qualities that allowed those relationships to exist, but he, f he found that it was much more difficult with Obama. He said, Obama believed that peace brings power, and I believe that power brings peace. And no less important, I believe that power maintains peace, Netanyahu said. When you're dealing with undemocratic regimes, that's the only way that you can keep the peace. But he said he found Trump to be a president with whom he saw eye to eye, and with whom he had achieved great things for Israel, including the recognition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital and relocating the U.S. embassy there. He also had a rocky relationship with Clinton and Obama due to alleged interference from each administration to influence Israel's elections at the time. But each time Netanyahu was able to overcome the increased resistance and still win his seat. And he talked about President Clinton in particular. He said, Clinton was really charming about this. 
He tried to bring me down while I ran for my first term, and after I got elected, he called me up and said, Bibby, I gotta hand it to you. We tried to beat you, but you beat us fair and square. This was the quintessential Clinton charm, so politically incorrect, an American president openly admitting he was interfering in our elections. And under the Obama administration, the State Department spent $300,000 to an NGO that would openly work in the elections to topple the Israeli government. So I don't think it's a question that I claim it. The facts bear it out. Okay, finally, in legal and criminal news, two huge stories. The New York Supreme Court reinstates all employees that were fired for being unvaccinated and, in addition, orders back pay. This is a huge story. And before I comment on that, I want to add to it what we learned about in Alberta, Canada. It's the first government in the world to formally apologize for violating the civil rights of unvaccinated people. Now, the reason these two stories are related is you have to remember the premise of the lockdowns and the premise of the pressure. It was never that the COVID vaccines were going to help you not be hospitalized and not face severe disease. It was that you needed to take the vaccine to protect your neighbor. It wasn't about you. You were placing everyone else at risk. But the assumption of that was that the vaccine would actually stop transmission. And that has turned out to not be true. And it has turned out that, for example, Pfizer never even tested if it would do that. So I think we're actually going to see more of this where courts are going to say, wait a second, these mandates were made out of complete false assumptions. There'll be more to come on this, but I think we need to watch this kind of thing closely. For this week's news and review, that's a wrap. Welcome, fellow Americans and patriots to The Grid. Today, I welcome Clay Carroll and Sean Griffin to visit with me today about a very important topic. Hey, thanks, guys, for being here. Thanks for having us. Great to be here. So what's going on on November the 9th? What do we need to know about that? Great question. I love the silence. I really stumped you. It's not a football game, is it? <laughs> no. Sean, what's November the 9th? We're voting. It's the midterm election. That is incorrect. November 8th is when we vote. November 9th is where we find out if patriots have stepped up or tapped out. Trick question. It was a trick question. Yes, we are here to talk about voting, ladies and gentlemen. This is huge. But not everybody feels that way. So in some ways, I'm talking to those undecided voters. Maybe I was an undecided voter, but I listened to the Kingdom Patriot podcast last week, and now I'm not undecided anymore. But still, convince me, guys. Convince me why I should vote in these meaningless midterms. Well, a lot of people feel jilted. Like, if you can't win in 2020 with the most votes ever, and you still can't win in a presidential election, then why bother? But Wait, are you trying to convince me not to vote? <laughs> no, I mean, that's, you know, that's what I think a lot of people are thinking about. But really, yeah, that's true. voting is kind of like war. There's a lot of wars in the world, but politically in the civilization, we've come up with this idea of voting and producing your ideas on other people. And it's a war. It's a war that's polite. And so we want to engage in this war, even if you feel like it's not going to win. But guess what? I think we will win the midterm election. You know, like if somebody's coming at your house and breaking down the door, and robbing you, and they're threatening your life, are you going to fight? And I think that's kind of where we're at. Like, we have to fight because the very point of our lives in America are being threatened with everything that we know. 
Um, there's so many, you know, social agendas and all these different things that we have to fight. And by voting on the date of, we're going to stick it to them as best as we can. But say, so Clay, you, you tell me that, hey, I should fight. But to use your analogy, if my house is being broken down and there's five or six people, I mean, am I really going to make a difference? Sean, did, why, why do I vote if I don't even think it's going to make a difference? Well, we have to overcome that. It's simply not true. Your vote does make a difference. We have to lose that mentality. That is a defeatist mentality. And your vote isn't going to count if it sits with you at your house. Oh, your AR-15 with the laser sight is going to like take out some really bad targets if they come in your house. We're, we're to be laser specific focused this midterm. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want to make sure that you understand we are not advocating violence here on the grid. Right. Exactly. This is all analogy. All analogy. I'm like, Clay, where are you going with this AR-15? My <laughs> gosh, that's like a taboo word. We're talking about making a difference. The analogy of somebody breaking in your house. So like you can fight if you have focus and purpose to defend off the attackers. And we are being attacked on all sides of our society. So. So you're telling me, Clay, get in the fight. And Sean, you're telling me it will make a difference. Correct. Yeah. The midterms is what kicks us in the butt from Washington, because this is where all of the non-presidential stuff takes place. That president has to work with Congress, has to work with the House of Representatives and the Senate. And all of Congress is up for vote. And one third of the Senate is up for vote. We have to give the president something to work with. And in this particular case, we have to give Washington and give ourselves something to overcome the current president's wicked policies. Okay. You guys convinced me. I'm going to vote. And just a quick reminder, I should go ahead and do early voting, correct? No. No way. I know. That was a tease. I just threw it up there. Absolutely. Vote on the day of. Number one, I think it sends a strong message to have a physical presence. Number two, absentee ballots are wrought with the potential for fraud. And number three, um, we don't give the other side the advantage to see what the turnout looks like and what the potential swing is on some of these issues by voting early. That's what would happen if we vote early. So to show up the day of, that's how our elections were intended. That's where the most protections are in place to make sure that your votes are not uh, tinkered with or discarded or anything like that. So yes, that is the Kingdom Patriot Group's recommendation. Absolutely show up in the voter booth on November the 8th. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the news media in Arizona already say that Hobbs was ahead over Kerry Lake? Yeah, that is correct. Uh, Arizona has already violated what I would call the ethics of the election. And of course, if you can say who is ahead before election day, the purpose of that is to get out the vote to, in her case, keep it up. Yeah, we actually see this in the presidential election. Sometimes it drives me nuts because Florida is one of those few states. Uh, Indiana's one, but it's really big in Florida where you have the state crossing two different time zones. And of course, you have Broward County in Miami that is highly Democratic, but then you have the Panhandle Florida which is a very strong red portion. And this has happened in multiple presidential elections 
where the polls are closed in one part of the state, but not the other. And they're already calling the state for one particular candidate, especially the Democratic candidate. And it discourages those who haven't even had the chance to, to go to the, the voting booth to not show up at all. We just don't want to engage in that. But get your tail to that voting booth and vote, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk about the difference between the right to vote and the responsibility to vote when we return. Okay, seriously, folks, you have to go vote. I'm so tired of being Pelosi'd, Schumer'd, Booker'd, and Kamala'd. You need to make a difference, and I'm going to tell you how. Here at the Kingdom Patriot Group, we are fighting back, and we're going to help you. Here's your four-point plan. First, go to kingdompatriot.us and subscribe to our emails and alerts. Second, become a Kingdom Patriot member for less than two Vente white chocolate mochas at Starbucks per month. Three, tell your friends and neighbors about the grid. Post it, share it, talk about it, and lastly, go vote. You do that, and congratulations, you've done your civic and moral duty. Guys, when I think about voting, I think about a couple things that come to my mind. I think about the right to vote, but also the responsibility to vote. The right to vote, I think, is a settled issue in our country, and I know people go off about voter suppression and that red states are passing laws that make it harder to vote, which none of that is true. We're seeing record turnout. Tens of millions of more people are voting today than they were in 2018 and 2016. So I, I don't even think we need to talk about the right to vote. I think that's a settled issue. Anybody who doesn't think that's a settled issue is not really looking at the data or looking at the facts. But I really want to talk a minute about the responsibility or the duty to vote. Why do we have a responsibility as a citizen to vote in these elections? Well, I think if a good man sees evil and does nothing, then evil succeeds. So I, I feel like that's one of our big responsibilities. You know, like we are responsible to vote in our leaders from the school board up to the federal level to get the patriotic, constitutional, godly people in the office that will not bend or sway, but will actually stand for truth and not waver for the good of the country, not for just for their pocketbooks. So, Clay, I think that's a really good point. We know that 25,000 people approximately died in the Revolutionary War to, to clean up, not clean up, that's the wrong word, to secure that break from England. Another 600,000 died in the American Civil War, over a half a million in both world wars. In World War II, 400,000, World War I, 116,000. I think of these wars as the blood that was spilt to secure our freedom, which the fundamental right to choose our leaders is the right to vote. Do you think when we choose not to vote that we devalue those losses? Yeah, we're basically stomping on our fathers and mothers who sacrificed everything to bring us freedom to where we're at today. Although we need to step up to the plate because that freedom's going away quickly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So I think we have a, a huge responsibility as a, as a citizen. Forget faith is, for just a second. Just as a citizen of this country, to not vote, not only – like I like what you said, Clay – steps on the graves of those in past generations who bled and died to secure that right. But I think we have a responsibility that goes beyond that. As Christians, I hear all the time not to be engaged in politics and that voting is part of that political process. Why should we engage 
why should we exercise that responsibility? Do we have a duty as a Christian to vote in these elections? Yeah, we do. If you look throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, who does God deal with the most? He deals with the leader of the country. The United States of America is we, the people. We lead, but our form of government allows us to pick representatives to represent our voice, hash it out in Congress, hash it out in the Senate, put it before the president for his signature. The House and Senate, they have responsibility for the purse strings. The president has the administration uh, responsibility to help run the country and also interact with other nations. And then we've got our judicial system, which we do not vote on. That one is uh, taken care of through our representatives to put impartial people on the bench to help determine whether or not something is constitutional. That is the form of government, and it starts with we the people, and we the people begins with our vote. I think that's well said, Sean. So I haven't vetted these statistics, but I do have a friend who told me that 50% of Christians are not registered to vote. And of those who are, only 50% of those vote in presidential elections. And of those, only 50% actually vote in the midterm elections. And I think of that quote, the only thing that is required for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Sean, how do we get how do we get Christians motivated? What would you say to them if they're saying, I don't know that I really should go to the voting booth at the midterms? That is something that I've struggled with because every time I hear Christians say that, I try to address it. It's like, we've got to get to the vote. If you're not going, then you're believing a lie. Your vote does count. And we don't have a leg to stand on if we don't have a vote in the arena. Once the vote is in, if something goes wonky after the vote, then we have the ability as citizens to get with our representatives and a good attorney and wrangle it out in the courts. We have recourse if we don't think our vote has been properly handled. And that's the way our system goes. We need to take advantage of the recourse. So um, Hillary Clinton came out the other day talking about the radical right is trying to steal the election. So she's warning everybody and trying to make everybody scared to stay away because the radical right might hurt you, which is, is so funny and ridiculous. But anyway, th that's kind of the stuff we need to deal with. So like we need to have so many overwhelming votes on the day of that you can't rig it without it being obvious that's why so like agreed even if there's something that doesn't go our way if it's just overwhelming numbers it will show up that it was there was something wrong and so that's the best we can do is to vote and pray because god is the one who helps seat the people in there but we have to take faith you know faith without action is worthless so like um you have to have faith and go step into that booth and trust God that there's going to be a good outcome. I, I really appreciate that, Clay. I, I think that is very strong. And it just this thought came to my mind when you said that. This should be our mantra. Your single vote will count so that 
it won't only be one vote that counts if that if that makes sense i'm not even saying that right but that if everybody has the mentality that my vote counts then we can overwhelm the voting booth so that in the end it won't be decided by just a single vote because everybody will have taken that approach that my vote counts yes I totally agree. We need to step into that voting booth, having prayed militantly and believing God that our little vote, our little stone is going to have an effect. At some point, we as believers need to step up to the plate and actually start believing him. Totally agree, Sean. Totally agree. When we come back, we're going to talk about exactly how to choose the right candidate, or the right issue that's on the ballot. It was estimated in 2020 that 25 million Christians did not participate in presidential elections. 65 million did not participate in local elections. 15 million were not even registered to vote. We can see the horrifying results of our failure to vote every time we turn on the news. The most basic patriotic action an American citizen can take, an American Christian can take, is to vote. This is Sean Griffin from The Grid reminding you, patriots, vote. Okay, we, we've talked about why I should vote. We've talked about the responsibility to vote as a citizen. We've talked about the responsibility to vote as a Christian. Otherwise, I think we don't really have a right to question our leaders or complain when we've allowed those, without, if we don't vote, we've allowed those to govern over, over us who may not share our values. But I also hear, and I just this one really bothers me as well. This person's not nice, or this person tw has mean tweets, or et cetera, et cetera. And I want to talk about the value of voting platform over person. And I say that because when in the 2020, or excuse me, the 2016 election and the 2020 election, you know, Trump is not what I would call the most ideal candidate from the perspective of saying nice things in a nice way and is all smooth and political and and doesn't have a fiery temper and all those things but he ran on a platform that i think is beyond debate if we're saying we uphold to traditional biblical values and i think christians get really caught up in this that i don't like that person because they're not moral but they may be running on a platform that most closely aligns with god's heart what do you guys say to that i think Absolutely don't vote for a person. Vote for the ideology. Vote for the platform of truth, really. As a Christian, you want to line up your votes as close to possible to the Word of God. So that takes the person out of it, and it takes the principles. That's what we're really looking for. What are the principles that line up with the kingdom of God as close as possible? And I want to vote for that. And it's kind of sickened me to see so many people that are truly Christians vote for these things over the years because it's, they're used to voting for this party or vote for that. That's so wrong. That's not biblical. And you got to get out of that mindset. You got to find what the truth of the word is, find the principles that that person stands for and vote for the godliest principles you can vote for. And not only that, Sean, I also hear Christians say this, is that I'm voting for this person because they're going to give me the right tax policy or they're going to secure the border. Now, all of those things are important, but I think when you do that analysis you've just talked about, open God's word and say, what, what does God say? There are certain things that we debate as conservatives, as constitutional conservatives, that the Bible is either silent or not clear on. And then you have other issues 
that are beyond debate. You just, the, 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 the argument has been settled. If you ask how God feels in preserving the life of an unborn child, there's no debate. Now we can talk about our feelings. We may, we may feel differently about that, but if, you're, if your measure is God's word, there's no debate. As an evangelical Christian, you cannot convince me that abortion is a process, is a procedure, is a right that God honors, that is near and dear to God's heart. It's just not. So not only is it, you know, is Clay, as you talk about going down that road and saying, open God's word, look at the platform. I think you have to look at those issues and you have to carve out the noise and look at the things that are near and dear to God's heart. Sean, where am I wrong? Thinking, thinking, thinking. Still thinking, night at the museum. I haven't heard anything you said wrong, nothing. I've heard absolutely nothing. I, I will toss in that by voting the platform, you may vote for somebody like Liz Cheney if you're stuck in Wyoming and you have to vote for her. But guess what? Her feet are to the fire. Her feet are being held to the fire by the party. And she is, she's gone now. She is now gone because she didn't stick with the party platform. So there you go. Yeah, that's well said, Sean. Well said. Guys, we are rapidly approaching November the 8th. The stakes are high. We say that every year, but I feel like that the, the battle for our culture, the battle to either be kneeling at the cross, placing our, our issues in the hands of Christ versus running away and being nothing more than, the, than just another pagan society that's going to fall. It feels like the stakes to that continue to increase with every election that comes our way. Every two years, it feels like the stakes just continue to get higher. So guys, I'd like to hear your closing thoughts as we propel ourselves towards November the 8th and have to vote. What are you telling people that are listening? What are you telling audience members who either may be on the fence of whether to vote or not, or they're not sure who to vote for? What are your closing comments? Go ahead, Clay. So as the dark gets darker, the light gets lighter. We are in a war of the spirit and the darkness is getting darker. You need to choose your side figure out how you're going to be lighter and brighter. And that involves with the election right here and now. Try to vote truly godly principles, not what you've done in the past, but truly godly principles and see where that takes you. If you have children, I want you to think about this. The alphabet mafia is coming after your kids in your schools to show them porn, even to the age of five. Vote. Your vote is going to help your kids. You must vote. We are in the quandary that we are in in the United States of America because believers stayed home with their vote. We have been silent with our vote. In many cases, we're not even being taken seriously because we're not a voting block. If we become the voting block that we can be, we can turn this country around. Folks, it's time to vote. Thank you, Sean. And I, I think my closing comments would be this. Um, it reminds me of a time almost 30 years ago. In fact, Sean, you and I were actually having a conversation 30 years ago about a woman that I worked with during a summer job in college who I did not know she was pregnant and I did not know she was going to have an abortion, but the Lord laid that on my heart. And when I confronted her, in fact, actually, I didn't confront her right away. 
and the Lord would not let me forget it. I couldn't sleep. I was, I just wrestled with it until I finally confronted her in love and said, this is just not what God has planned for you. And she went through the abortion anyway, but the Lord taught me a very important lesson. And it was this, my obedience took the guilt off of me. The blood was no longer on my hands. And I feel in some ways that's very much like voting, that we need to be voting for things that align with the heart of God. And if we do that, the results on the blood are no longer in our hands. But if we don't do that, then it's our fault. If you didn't vote and we have people who are put into office, it's your fault. If those people in office do not support biblical values. So I know that sounds harsh, but I'm telling you, go vote. Please go vote. Clay, Sean, thank you so much for joining me on the grid today. This is such an important topic, and I feel like that we need to light the fire under Christian. So I just want to, I want to say thank you for being here today. Go with joy. Thanks for having us. Really, really appreciate it. Guys, let's close this podcast in prayer. Jesus, we just thank you, Father, that you are still on the throne. We thank you, Lord, that you still care about the affairs of your people. And Lord, we ask that you would move in the hearts of Christians. Because what we see in some of the polls, I certainly know what we see in Michigan, Father. I am very concerned of the apathy that may exist. But Lord, I know that you move mountains, that you move on the hearts of people. And I pray, Father, that you would light a fire, that you would ignite, that you would inspire, that you would convict your people to vote for things, Father, that are near and dear to your heart, that they would vote for life, that they would vote for people who love life and who love God. Father, please, Lord, just move in the name of Jesus. We want to see a mighty work, Father, that we can point to you and give you glory and shout as a testimony, Father, of your grace and of your mercy, but also of your awesomeness and your power. Father, everyone listening to this podcast, we pray over them in the name of Jesus and ask, Father, for your conviction to be on them to go out and vote. We thank you, Father. We praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Till next time. Don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. Thank you.